Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and VP of Altius Financial. And this is Mike Williams. I'm the founder and uh, president of Altius Financial. So today we're going to talk about um, some key costs to consider when adding a furry or fluffy family member. Mike, do you want to maybe start with our disclaimer really quick? Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Here's, here's uh, just a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No client advisor relationship is formed by our broadcasting this information or your listening to it. The use of this information or any materials linked to in this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner, or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, please reach out to us at our website, altiusfinancial.com, or you can reach us directly by email at michael at altiusfinancial.com or taylor at altiusfinancial.com. Okay, so I'm not sure about you and Luna, but Riley's definitely our dog child. For anyone who hasn't met me yet, my husband and I are owners of a Blue Merle mini Australian Shepherd. So Blue Merle's the color, um, and she's just like a little, I don't know, ball of love. We call her our dog-ter. She's like a D-O-G-H-ter. Yeah, I don't know. We're weird. Dog-ter. <laughs> We're the millennials everybody hates. So is that what I would call Luna a cat cat turd? It almost sounds like you're saying dog turd or cat turd. <laughs> well, it's like she's our daughter, but she's a dog daughter. Daughter. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't I don't have a, a special breed as far as uh, Luna goes. Luna's uh she's a gray cat with uh white paws. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. And how'd you pick her out? What what drew you to picking out Luna? So she was originally a gift to my youngest daughter for her birthday. Um, and we went to the Dumb Friends League. You know, I guess you could call her a rescue cat. Is is anything that go? you know, if you get any pet from the Dumb Friends League, is that considered a rescue pet? Yep, I think so. Yeah. So that's how we got her. Nice. And how'd she end up becoming your cat? Um, you know, it's interesting. I guess there's this bonding thing that happens when you... Uh, have a young pet. Maybe it's only with cats, but I assume it with any kind of pet. Um, she just kind of glommed onto me. And, you know, I think obviously I'm the one who was taking care of her the most at the beginning, you know, feeding her and changing her box and all that kind of stuff. So she definitely is more my cat than anybody else's. Do you think when Solana graduates from college, is she going to want to take her cat back or something? Or is that not in the cards likely? Um, I don't think so. I think Luna would be pretty stressed out if she had to go with Solana or anybody else. I think she definitely likes all the girls now, um, but she's still very much attached to me. Okay. So let's see, where should we start? I'm thinking kind of maybe with the basics and then build up from there. And I'm kind of hoping some of your experience with Luna will help kind of guide the cat expense side of things. I mean, I've done some research, but hopefully you can share some of the contrasts. Um, and then we can also add in maybe contrast in Colorado versus California pricing too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also a matter of uh, contrasting, well, like you said, cats and dogs, but also maybe generation, you know, my generation, I bet is less inclined to spend money on their pets, especially a cat than maybe your generation. 
you know, when I grew up with cats, uh, you know, we didn't really spend money on vets or toys or anything. So, the, you know, you just had a cat, you know, maybe, maybe the neighbors had a big, uh, litter of cats and you got one of the kittens and it became your cat. And so you fed it, but other than that, you didn't have a whole lot of expenses, but the world is different now. And people, people are a lot more inclined to care for their pets in a more detailed way, a more expensive way. So that's partly what we're talking about today, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of wonder if that's more the way that the world has shifted to we're looking at our own personal health. So we're looking at the health of those that we care for, um, whether it's that or we just have more of a consumer driven society. And the more wealth someone has, the more they find ways to spend it on things they care about, including their pets. I think it's also partly I mean, this this is a little maybe judgy, but I think there's um, people are more inclined to treat pets as part of the family in the sense of, you know, they're willing to, to invest, you know, it's just a different generation. I think, you know, people love their pets when, when I was younger, but they don't, they didn't think of them as alternatives to kids. Like you're saying your dog tur. I don't think people thought that way. Like, you know, this is, this is something I feel the same way as a, as I do about a child. Yeah. Whereas I, I see Riley, she is my child, <laughs> which is, some people would say, oh, that's wild. Like, yeah, that's just a dog. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's something where a lot of people, and it's been a growing thing where I think a lot of people have been accumulating pets, especially maybe over COVID time, or maybe people are starting to realize, hey, I work more remotely. I have more time to let a dog out in the middle of the day. It's not like I have to drive 30 minutes home. So maybe that's an investment I want to make. Um, and I think since it is kind of a at least a decent upfront investment. I think it should be something that we kind of talk through on this podcast episode to just say, Hey, let's maybe be aware of some of the upfront costs of, of purchasing an animal of choice. Yeah. In the same sense, you know, that I would say that people should be very conscious about having a child, right? Yeah. Both for lots of reasons, not only, not only financially, but definitely financially. Um, They now more and more should be very conscious about, okay, I'm going to acquire a pet and it's going to require a lot of money and time and emotional energy, especially a dog. Um, I think dogs have a, a bigger expense on all counts there, right? You know, yeah. I think from an emotional standpoint, dogs are a little more needy and uh, they, you know, they need more attention and they need more, more maintenance. And same thing, they probably cost more money too. Yeah. So, I mean, let's start with the basic cost of like, what does it cost to buy the animal? Um I mean, I've seen this cheap as you could have a free dog sign out in someone's yard. Like you said, the the neighborhood cat that maybe they had a litter and everyone's passed around cats down the neighborhood or something. Um, or there's as expensive as, I mean, there's the designer dog breeds or designer cat breeds. And so I've seen dogs as, as cheap as free and as expensive as 3000 plus. And then most people... I've observed who are purchasing a dog of a specific breed. Typically I've observed you feel like you're getting your value if you spend over a thousand. And I don't know if that's consistent, but when I talk to people who are looking to buy dogs and they're saying, well, I want a specific breed and I want it to have a specific lineage or maybe a show dog or maybe a, some specific something. I've kind of observed that people who are wanting a specific dog are open to paying at least a thousand dollars for that dog. Yeah. What do you think about with cats? Is it the same? I mean, are there 
thousand dollar cats. Yeah, sure. There's, I think there's uh, definitely more expensive cats if you're talking about getting a, a certain kind of breed or a purebred cat uh, that has certain features. I think they're going to be, no matter what, they're going to be less expensive because you don't have. I don't think maybe there is like show cats. Maybe there are cats who who do cooperate enough to be part of a show. Uh, I can't imagine Luna being part of that, um, <laughs> really cooperating like that. And and yeah, you can have hunting dogs or or certain kinds of dogs that are bred for purposes. And I'm I'm sure there's a little bit of that with regard to cats, but nothing like it. And so, in general, uh, I don't think you're going to spend as much for a cat. Okay. So now you've decided how much you're willing to spend on your pet and you're ready to head home. The thing that most of our listeners probably aren't considering is if you don't own your home, you probably are going to be faced with some pet rent, um, which I think is kind of also a relatively new term. I think a lot of people thought, okay, this is a pet. I bought it. It stays in my house. It's whatever. It's not a big deal. And as of at least the last 10 years, I've definitely observed that anywhere that you're living, you're going to have some kind of initial pet deposit, kind of like a move-in deposit, followed by a monthly pet rent. Um, so when I lived in Denver, the case was it was like 500 was the initial deposit per pet, followed by an additional $50 per pet per month. So if I had if I came home with two dogs, it would have been $1,000 and $100 a month. Um but luckily we just had one. So it was expensive, but affordable. Yeah. It's the same thing with uh, uh, cats too. I think, you know, apartment complexes are much more conscious about the kind of costs, you know, to repair damage or to, you know, replace carpet because a lot of times pets have issues with carpet. So apartment complexes and, and managers are a lot more conscious about that. And so they, they charge a separate fee. Yeah. I do want to kind of contrast the Denver versus California cost of living type stuff. So the deposit in California was actually over double that. It was about $1,200. And I'm pretty sure it was, it was either 100 a month or 150 a month. Um, I don't remember exactly because I'm not paying it. <laughs> and now before anyone goes and reports me, we, we decided to go through with the emotional support animal online process because that was a $100 one-time fee or once a year fee as opposed to a $1,200 plus another hundred plus a month fee. So from a cost standpoint, um, it was just the most reasonable for us. I do want to note that if you do get your dog as an emotional support animal, um, most airlines are not allowing that anymore. It has to be like a seizure dog or a diabetes dog, or it has to have some kind of more severe medical Thing, I, I actually kind of agree with that. I don't know how you feel about that, Taylor, but I, I think the whole emotional support animal thing is, has gotten out of control. Um, you know, there certainly the airlines were dealing with it where, you know, lots of people just wanted to have an animal on board. Um, and there are definitely communities or apartment complexes who are, they are trying to avoid pets but they can't because of the ADA law, right? If you have if you have a need for an emotional animal, then they can't exclude you. So then everyone goes to their doctor and just says, you know, give me give me a special note from my doctor so that says I need my animal so I can get into this this place. And I think that that's been abused myself. Yeah, no, and I definitely think it's probably been abused as well, um, especially because when we were touring for the apartment out here. Our tour guide even told us, she said, oh, well, if you have a dog, you have to live on the first floor. 
But if you don't want to pay the fees, get this covered, and then you can live on whatever floor you want. So yeah, it's so like us, they're telling you a way around the system, right? Yeah, they basically said, hey, if you don't want to have to follow the rules or you don't want to pay quite as much, here's your solution. Yeah. So what's what's next? What about uh, all the more fun stuff? You know, when, once you've got the pad and you've signed up for their monthly rent and deposits and you decided whether you have an emotional support fee or whatever it is, uh, yeah. you know, the, the more interesting day to day stuff like food and collars and toys. And you know, what about all that? Yeah. So it. Next, you kind of want to look at, okay, well, do I need to get a collar? Do I need to get my pet with some kind of ID tag? Um, what kind of toys do I want to do? Do I want to do a routine toy box delivery? Do I want to do like a bark box? Or um, do I want to do just my own toys every so often? So there's lots of kind of options there to play around with. On wait, what, wait, what the heck is a bark box? I have no idea what a bark box is. Yeah, so it's a... Um, it's like a branded box thing. Like I, I say branded, I mean like brand name. They have toys that are specifically called Bark Box toys. Um, and they basically come with a theme box every month. And so, for instance, we got like Scooby-Doo themed and there were two different toys. And then all the treats were Scooby-Doo themed. And then there was a bone and it was Scooby-Doo themed. And then the this next one like is... Harry and David fruit of the month club or like a book of the month club type thing. You get something you're signing up for a subscription every month for this. Yeah. So you sign up for a subscription. I believe you usually pay, you pay monthly, but I think you agree to pay however many months and you get a discount. So like if you say, I'm going to pay for six months, I think it costs a little bit less or something like that. So I'm curious if you had a client, I mean, most of our clients are you know, well beyond this, but if you had a client who, you were trying to help them, you know, budget and stuff. And, and they said, well, I can't really save for retirement, but they're also, they've got a bark box coming every month. Would you tell them to <laughs> cut that out or what? Well, if they're saying they can't save for retirement and they've got a bark box coming, I'm curious what other, and I'm going to say frivolous, what other frivolous expenses they likely have. Yeah. I would call that frivolous. I mean, uh, you know, I think in times like COVID where you couldn't leave the house, but maybe your dog chews through everything, you need to keep it busy so it's not chewing through your furniture. That makes sense. Like you still needed toys for your dog. I think it's fun. So it's like a fun thing if you're of an income level where it's affordable to you. It's, I mean, it's not super expensive. I think it was 30 bucks a month, maybe 25 bucks a month. So it doesn't necessarily break the bank. Um, but maybe you're trading off your weekly Starbucks coffee for a monthly dog barks or mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's a give and take. We, we did it for a few months and then we ended up stopping um, because I just felt I could be more budget savvy about dog toys. Mm. Some other things you're probably going to want to consider. You probably need a dog leash. If you're doing crate training, you likely want a dog crate. If you've got a cat, you probably need like a cat crate to take it to and from the vet and that kinds of stuff. And then you're going to want to look at food. And there's like a whole world of research you can do on what kind of food you want for your pets. I kind of grew up with the, you go to the grocery store and you pick up your pet food and your dog's going to live forever anyways. It's fine. And having worked with Jen before purchasing Riley, she kind of introduced me to, well, there's all these different breeds and all these different brands of more scientifically smart food for your dog. Our breeder also had a whole article on here's all the research that they did on making sure that they bred the best dogs and that they had the best coat and muscles and 
Yeah, I guess everything. it's like anything else, right? You, you can yeah. buy high quality food for your children and yourself, and you can buy high quality, good ingredient, healthier food for your pet as well, right? Yeah. So I think for our listeners who are maybe saying, oh, I really want a dog, but I also really want to be budget savvy. I think you can definitely do it that route. Um, if you're the kind of person who says, I watch everything that goes into my mouth and I want to watch everything that goes into my kids and my pets' mouths as well. I have felt that Riley has had pretty good health overall because we've given her good dog food, but I don't know if that's a placebo effect. <laughs> might just make me feel better. I did notice though, your cost of living will likely impact the cost of your food as well. I think that's pretty common sense for most of our listeners, but dog food that I typically bought for maybe between 50 and $60 for the large bag in Colorado is closer to like $90 here. Um, oh, it's wow. always so double or so. I mean, you're talking about uh, maybe twice as much for, for the same kind of food that you pay uh, versus Colorado versus California. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're back to ordering. I still get the same food, but I ordered online because it's cheaper online. Yeah. Yeah. It can be expensive. So what other process do you have in terms of deciding how to go about food purchases and all that? Well, so then you also want to look at is, is there anything additional that your pet needs eating wise? Like, do you need to get treats? Are you doing training treats? Do you need bones? We do dental bones because I want her to have healthy teeth. So I don't know if you have any like dental things. <laughs> you know, I, I think I sound like Mr. Cheapo or just uh, why, are, why are you spending so much on your pet? But I do have, I do believe that there's this like powdery supplement. It's kind of a yellow uh, turmeric powder that I put on Luna's food and she likes it. Yeah. And it does seem like it makes her, uh, you know, it seems like it's a healthier thing. You know, I personally do take some vitamins and so maybe it's like a vitamin supplement for her. And I think that's worthwhile. It's not cheap though. Yeah. And you just like scoop it on each day or? Yeah, just a little powder okay. thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to make you sound like the cheap one or something. I think you, I'm sure Luna has a wonderful, luxurious life. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> your house has mountain views, so she's enjoying the mountain views as well. <laughs> yep, yep, she's definitely got the views. Yeah. I feel our pets get to reap any of the lifestyle benefits we take on. So what about other other expenses beyond the the basic day-to-day food and toys? You know, to me, it, I'm surprised when I hear people having, you know, complicated surgeries or vet expenses, big vet bills for their uh, for their pets as well. What about all that? Yeah, so when you initially get your pet, you're likely going to have a a decent list of of vet expenses. Um, And the reason I say that is because depending on where you're getting your pet from, you might need to pay for a neutering or spaying of that animal. And that is typically going to be about $300 for a dog, maybe $150 for a cat, depending on your vet. And then in addition, you've got all of your vaccines. So I think Riley had an appointment every month for the first three months. And each one was different vaccines that she had to get systematically. Um, I think the initial appointment was 200 to 300. And then I believe it was a, in the hundred range for follow-up appointments. So it was not cheap. I think we probably in the first year spent close to a thousand dollars just on vet bills. And that's not including any surgery or any like emergency stuff. With cats, uh, you, you, one often also considers uh, declawing, right? So they don't ruin your furniture, yeah. um, either the front claws or both front and back. And, you know, some people have a problem with that. Um, they think, you know, it's, it's not ethical to declaw your, 
your cat. If it's an indoor cat, I feel okay about it. And you can also trim trim their nails, but I, I think you know that that is an additional expense. Typically, people will have if they're going to have an indoor cat. Yeah, well, that's another good point. Um, not to jump all the way off of vet expenses, but any kind of grooming stuff. So some people will take their dog to the vet to get their nails trimmed, and um, then maybe take your dog to the groomer to get the rest of them cleaned and taken care of. And that's really up to your preferences. I did a lot of research on grooming for my breed of dog before purchasing her. So I actually do all the personal grooming. Um, so I do her nails. I, I trim the fluff around her paws and hands and um, face. I brush her. My breed of dog doesn't have a ton of grooming. So it, it really depends on your breed. Because sometimes they do like full body. It's like a full haircut. You need to be a stylist or something to know how to cut your dog's yeah. hair. That reminds me, I... Um... I did take Luna to the vet once and this was, this was uh, kind of embarrassing. Cause I, I was like, Oh my God, she's got a tumor or something on her back. And, um, you know, I, was, I, would, I would pet her and then she had this sort of bump thing. And I thought, Oh my God, she's got a tumor. And, and my vet laughed at me and said, you know, she knows she needs to go on a diet. First of all, <laughs> she had gained some weight and she couldn't actually because of the weight reach around and bathe herself. So there was a spot on her back that was nodding up just so the, the solution was to put her on a diet, first of all, and have her lose some weight so she could bathe herself <laughs> properly. But then bought this uh, really pretty effective uh, brush where I could brush the hair out. You know, I think the brush was like, I don't know, 20 or $30, but it was definitely a good tool to, you know, not have her hair nodding up like that. Yeah. I mean, most cats don't need to be groomed in that sense, like where you take them, take them somewhere special, but a, a, certainly a good brush is a good idea. Yeah. And, and then you know, making sure you're not overfeeding. <laughs> making sure they can groom themselves for the rest of it. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Yeah. I was glad it wasn't uh, something worse than that, though. Yeah, because, I mean, that's one thing. Any kind of emergency vet type appointment can be very, very expensive. I know Riley had an issue where we thought she maybe had something with her GI. Um, and they did all these random tests. They did, like, an ultrasound. They put her in an IV. I mean, you thought we were taking a child to the emergency doctor or something. Like they went through all these different procedures and it ended up being, I think, $1,000, which I, that was what I said were startup vet costs. I have a close family member who had a dog who would swallow socks. You know, they would try to put their socks away or whatever, but somehow this dog would find socks and swallow them. And they'd have to have some kind of emergency surgery to remove the sock and, you know, and, and that was expensive. And I've, I've also, it's amazing to me how, um, you know, the, the surgeries that humans have or that you hear about, like they broke their leg or tore a tendon, tore their meniscus or tore their, you know, ACL, ACL repair for a dog. And, and I've, I just didn't, you know, wasn't, it makes sense. You know, if you, if you have a pet that you value a lot and you want it to be healthy and it's, got a broken bone, but those can be very expensive surgeries. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people spend a lot of money on, on their pets that way. Well, and the difference between humans and pets are not as many people have pet insurance. So if you're getting a meniscus tear surgery repair on your dog's knee, you're likely not going to have a low copay type thing with a maximum amount of pocket deductible. I mean, you're likely going to have right. all of that out of pocket for a major surgery, Right. which might bring up you might want to look at getting pet insurance if you're if your local vet offers it or if your employer offers it. 
Yeah, I know there are a lot of uh, high tech companies that were offering that as a, another, you know, uh, perk or benefit from from their compensation package. Uh, is that very common, though? I, I, you know, we have no Altius has never offered pet insurance and I, I can't imagine I would do that maybe at some point. But uh, but it, how expensive is pet insurance itself? Do you know? That is actually a good question. I, I didn't. That's one of the one questions I didn't look at. Let me see if I can pull something up on it. I know for employers, I think it's like $20 a month or something, um, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, it looks like you can get on the minimum level, maybe $10 a month. Yeah, and I'm sure it's like everything else. You know, you kind of get what you pay for. If you pay $10, you know, you maybe cover certain things, but it won't cover other things. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about just the total. What does it cost really, you know, obviously to start off, there's some expenses up front, but then you know, on an ongoing basis, let's talk, you know, what does it really cost to have, uh, let's say, for example, a dog over the course of time? Getting started with having a dog, including a purchase of a dog, um, assuming you're going to spend maybe a thousand or so on that dog itself, you're likely looking around like $3,700, maybe $4,000 for startup fees, just because you're going to have that pet deposit, you're going to have the um, vet bills, toys, food, any kind of additional expenses. So that's kind of your first year of getting started with the dog and then covering those expenses going forward. Looking at year to year, it's probably closer to maybe the seven to 800 range, um, just depending on how how much you tend to spend and and maybe like the size of your dog. So the, the seven or 800 or so per year would include food as well? Yeah, so I'm saying food... Food and vet. Food, toys, vet. That all. That all is you know covered by maybe seven, maybe seven hundred to thousand dollars per year for a pet. Yeah, for a dog. And probably somewhat less than that for a cat. My bet is my annual expenses for Luna are probably less than five hundred dollars a year. Does she have routine? Like, does she have to go to the vet each year for certain things? No. Well, I mean, they would like her to go. <laughs> um, you know, that the vet would say, yeah, she needs to come in for a well check or whatever. Because of the way I grew up with pets, um, you know, if, if there's something wrong, if it looks like there's something wrong with the cat, then I'll go, okay, I need to take her to the vet. But I don't do that same kind of, uh, you know, normal physical type exams. Uh, I took her in when I thought she had a tumor, like I said. But uh, other than that, she doesn't go to the vet. And part of it's because she's an indoor cat. She doesn't go outside. So she's not exposed to, you know, rabies or, or uh, lots of, you know, potential other threats to her. And she seems like she's thriving. Now, again, that's just my layman's uh, evaluation of how she's doing. So I don't really take her to the vet all that often. Okay. Yeah. So if you're maybe not going to the vet, maybe if you have a once a year vet appointment, maybe add a a couple hundred dollars to that 500. Yeah. I think that's kind of it. I mean, as far as looking at expenses. So it's, it's more just be aware of what you're getting into if you decide to buy a pet. Um, granted, we didn't cover all pets. So, I mean, you could be looking at getting, I don't know, hamsters, chickens, horses. Yeah, horses are a lot more expensive. Yes. Maybe, maybe a hamster or a small rodent uh, is probably less expensive, you'd think, yeah. right? And certainly like a, a little goldfish may be less expensive. But, you know, it's uh, our whole purpose is mainly just to talk about that there are hidden or maybe un, unthought of expenses associated with any pet. And that has to be integrated into a person's budget and overall financial plan. Definitely. 
and they're, you know, they can be pretty expensive. I would say, you know, financially that's one part, but it can be an emotional thing too. I mean, it can be very emotionally trying, especially if you're with a, you know, if you're with a partner or a, a spouse and one person says, well, it's your job to take the dog for a walk or clean out the cat box. And, you know, if that, if that creates conflict, uh, there could be an emotional price to pay as well, but that's that's a little bit separate issue. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, so Mike, do you want to wrap it up for today then? Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. I, you know, this is kind of a unique topic, uh, but it's something that we thought we had a couple of people ask us about, it, and we've read some articles recently about the costs. And I think most people are, aren't aware of how much uh, pets cost, and so that's why we wanted to do it. But I, I appreciate everyone listening. We invite people to to follow, like, and friend us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. LinkedIn, all the social media platforms. We've got our uh, our name uh, saved as Altius Financial. It's typed as one word, and you'll see our logo uh, as the profile picture. So hopefully you're sharing these, and we always appreciate suggestions for topics. Taylor and I can talk about virtually anything as it relates to your financial planning. And obviously, if you have a need, please reach out to us. I want to thank everyone for joining us and have a happy Friday going into the weekend. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend.